0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 448, Comic Talk, Collected Editions Market Update with John Rhett Thomas. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 448. Wow. I cannot believe it's that many episodes. 52 more. We're going to hit episode 500. Uh, this episode is our uh, Comic Talk, uh, Collected Editions Market Update with John Rhett Thomas. This was actually... Um, uh, John's idea, uh, he, uh, he has this regular uh, thread on the Marvel Masterworks forum where he calls it Highway to the Danger Zone, and yes, you can cue up the Kenny Loggins song, where he basically takes a look at upcoming books that are uh, slowly going out of print and basically uh, saying these are the books that are coming out of print be wary of them if you want them jump on them now so we thought let's do an episode where we actually uh, talk about uh, these books and kind of talk about what this could what we can divine from the books that are going out of print you can email us at comic at gmail.com like the show on facebook rate and review us on itunes subscribe to us on itunes and listen to us on stitcher otherwise jump right in right into the episode or i talk with john Rhett thomas about uh, the uh, the state of current collected editions that are going out of print enjoy John, welcome back to Comic Shenanigans. How are you doing today? I am well. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm excited to have you back. Uh, I, I didn't. I thought it would be a lot longer till we had you on a, a return show. So I'm really excited about this. Um, so today we're going to be uh, talking about, um, uh, I guess, kind of a, a market update on certain collected editions and what's kind of falling out of print or is soon to go. Yeah.
1: So that you- is exciting. That's all. All about excitement, right there.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's it's interesting, actually. Honestly, like when you, so to give some uh, the backstory for the listeners, uh, on the Marvel Masterworks Forum, which John is the creator of the site and also, I guess, head honcho, um, routinely you put up these threads, which uh, I, I love that it's called Highway to the Danger Zone, because you can't not think of Kenny Loggins when that happens. That's right, um, and it's all about you know what collections are about to fall out of print, and it's interesting how many people get really excited about your list when it comes up because um, for stuff that people have been kind of putting off or uh, delaying purchasing, it's really kind of lighting a fire and and also getting people to think about you know what what does this say about where Marvel's headed with certain other, certain collections and what they're choosing to fo- let fall out of print and what's coming back.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of tea leaf reading that. You know, nerds like us enjoy uh, not with, not just with Marvel, but also DC. Just sort of, you know, these vast uh, libraries that they have with all the different groups and subgroups and brands, and you know, following that stuff is interesting um, from a sort of horse race perspective. Um, but it's also uh, for me, it's a, there's some self interest involved because as a comics fan and a book collector uh, and book reader. Um, I enjoy, uh, you know, I, I want these books on my shelf as well. And so I try to keep, you know, keep an eye on, uh, what's coming in and out of print so that I know that, you know, with tight budgets and, you know, you just can't buy everything all at once that I'm not missing out on something, uh, that down the line I may regret having missed out on, you know, so it start. you know, it started with me just sort of having a personal, uh, feeling that i wanted to stay on top of this and of course it, it plays well with everybody else as a sort of a consumer aid and i think people appreciate it i wish i could keep it up more often than i do i think the last update i did was like a year <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it was more frequent a while ago but I, i'm going to try to do it more frequently now so
0: so where are you getting the data from or how does how does your list kind of come to be like where is this where is this coming from
1: well, it evolved naturally from the very beginning when um I started listing um Amazon links and uh uh Tales of Wonder links from my website for the Masterworks and and you know, and then um obviously I was also a big fan of the DC archives and so I created what I call these storefront pages which sort of segregate uh, all the different brands in uh, uh for the books in different pages so that you can sort of get an eagle-eyed view on ...on what's been available, what's been sort of canonized in any particular subsection of books, what's out there. And then, you know, links to buy them if you want to buy them from from the respective stores. And then, of course, uh, over time, certain books will fall out of print, especially early on with the Masterworks. Um, uh, When the Masterworks started coming back into print in about 2004 and 2005, some of them were going out of print very quickly... And so, you know, staying on top of that was a full-time job. I was in pretty close communication with Joe Havorka, who at the time owned and operated uh, Tales of Wonder, and also Marvel, um, about, you know, books that were coming into print and books that were going out of print. And, um, you know, it just started from there. I would update the site so that when someone surfed in and perused uh, that list, that they wouldn't think something was in print that wasn't because i had some old link up there um and i would take the link down and put sold out and then um people then knew okay well if i can't get it from a normal retailer then i'll have to go to ebay or i'll have to go to uh amazon marketplace um or hunt down some other retailer that still has it sort of for retail um and um uh, over time, you know, the storefront pages grew, and there's a whole bunch of them now for all different categories of books. And where I get my information from is basically just sort of checking the links manually. Um, you know, it can take, you know, a half hour to plow through all the, you know, say, uh, model Masterworks. Um, but I'll click on the Tales of Wonder links because they're usually pretty good about um, – being sort of a barometer for what's in print and what's out of print at the sort of direct market uh, outlets. If they don't have it, it's um, probably not still available at Diamond. And to explain that, Diamond is the main distributor for the direct market of comic book stores and most um, comic book retailers online. And um, if Diamond doesn't have it, then uh, it's, it's, unlikely that another distributor will have it or that if another distributor does have it that those stores are linked up to that distributor. Long story short, if it's out of print at Tells Runner and they're not getting it back in stock, <clears throat> then that defaults you over to Amazon or eBay or places like that. Okay. So uh, so then I cross reference my Amazon links and sometimes I'm surprised because a book will sneak up on you and like not only does Tales of Runner not have it, but Amazon no longer has a live link, and it's it's only available through Marketplace from Amazon. And so sometimes that's sometimes the book is still really cheap, and sometimes it's not. So uh, if I suspect sometimes sometimes I suspect that maybe a book still is in print, and I'll run those uh, SKU numbers by Tales of Wonder, and they'll let me know which ones are in print and which ones are are out of print and not coming back in stock, and then I'll you know, keep the pages updated, uh, with that information as well. So I hope that makes sense.
0: It does. That's a tremendous amount of work. Like I hope people appreciate awesome. that. Cause that's, that's insane. <laughs> like,
1: it, is. it is. I do when I get on these little jags, which I do about, I try to do about every three to four months. Um, I'll do, you know, one or two different pages a day. And I devote about a half hour to 45 minutes to those pages and then do other things with my life. Um, but, uh, you know, it takes some time to go through the Masterworks and takes some time to go through the Omnibus and the Premiere hardcovers and the Essentials and the Ultimate Collections and all that stuff. Um, and uh, But the end result is that at least when I do these updates that you have pretty much the – you can take a look at that whole page all at once and sort of get a good idea of what's in print and what's out of print. So.
0: So let's, I guess, maybe let's talk a little bit about um, the, kind of the most recent list that you posted, uh, I guess it was, a, what, a week and a half ago, or actually just exactly a week ago. Um, what, uh, what, what kind of jumped out at you first? I mean, obviously you break it down into a lot of different sections, so maybe from the Marvel Masterworks uh, kind of section, what kind of jumped yeah. out at you as a bit of a surprise that was kind of going out of print now?
1: Well, uh, Masterworks are sort of my thing. You know, I, I, I'm real plugged into that uh, with Corey and Marvel. Um, and I, I, I really enjoy watching uh, how these books sell through. Um, one thing that uh, I noticed in this most recent update was that there were quite a few, actually half the list was Atlas Era and Golden Age mm-hmm. books, um, which some of those books have taken a while to sell out. But here we have a whole bunch of them: the Atlas Journey into Mystery and Strange Tales, um, the Battlefield, which was the only uh, war comic uh, of that type that was put out. You know, there were several Sergeant Fury books, but um, those are sort of Silver Age Marvel hero type Marvel Age book. But Battlefield was the one, you know, hardcore '50s era war title that Marvel has ever put out, and it sold out. Hmm. Um, the regular edition, so that's that's kind of cool um, Also, the, the Golden Age Marvel Volumes 2 and 3 Are sold out So that material is no longer in print Those first three Marvel Mystery Comics Volumes Are out of print as omnibus And as um, the regular edition and variant hardcovers So that stuff's no longer in print um, Also of the uh, Marvel Heroes stuff, there were two Doctor Strange volumes.
0: I was surprised That's,
1: by that. Yeah, well, sort of. Um, you know, got a movie out, and it's a very popular movie worldwide, and uh, so the first volume of Doctor Strange sold out, and the fourth volume sold out. So uh, there's actually only one, I think, or no, there's two uh, of the uh, eight Doctor Strange books are still in print, and that's the two most recent ones. So, hmm. you know, these, these masterworks are selling, man. That That's, you know, that whatever print runs Marvel's putting on these, uh, we found sort of an equilibrium where they're selling through, it seems like, at a pretty decent rate. And I'm sort of proud of the masterworks for doing that.
0: I mean, what's, so. what's interesting to me there is that, on the Doctor Strange front, to jump ahead a little, is that you have the Volume 1 Marvel Omnibus going out of print as well at the same time. Like You'd think that they would have tried to stock a little bit more of that considering the success of the movie.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's an art to that, and uh, you don't get it right all the time. And I know that Marvel's uh, salespeople don't want to miscalculate. They want to sell as many books as possible. But, um, you know, this particular book, Doctor Strange by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, um, sold out in two months' time. I mean, that's fast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I would urge anybody who can hear my voice, who wants this book, uh, to go to Amazon and, and, and buy it, uh, or get a copy off eBay or whatever, because, um, you know, Marvel may bring that back into print, but, you know, there's no consistency with how they do that. We, you know, they may bring it back into print next year or not at all, um, but right now, um, the list price of that book was a hundred dollars. And so right now on Amazon, you can get a brand new copy for $80, um, uh, and a used copy for $75, uh, from some pretty reputable, uh, high feedback rating dealers. So, you know, for now it's still under list price. So that's good. Uh, but I, I predict that, you know, probably the next time we talk, on um, comic shenanigans that, uh. Doctor Strange Omnibus Volume One will be through the roof. <laughs> so, and the other the other omnibus to mention was War of Kings, um, which also sold out very quickly. And that's uh, you know that's a pretty huge title. Um, you've got uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, which are really hot, and you've also got the Inhumans, which are uh, probably not as hot as the uh, Guardians, but you know Marvel certainly wants to people to buy Inhumans comics, and mm-hmm. so you've got two different fan bases that are sort of fighting over a book like that. Um, so I guess I'm not surprised that it sold out too, but I am uh, surprised that it sold out as quickly as it did.
0: Yeah. This, the speed seems a little crazy there because like the other ones didn't feel like they were going out of print nearly as quickly in that kind of milieu because they're really making an attempt at reprinting all that kind of DNA cosmic stuff. And so the fact yeah. that that one went through so quickly was a big surprise.
1: Yeah. But you know, it's not unprecedented. Um, You know there are uh, there are examples on on, across all lines where uh, Marvel uh, you know did not meet demand on an initial print run and sold out very quickly and um, you know so it's happened before and it'll happen again and that's why you kind of um, it's important to pre-order the books that you really don't think you could live without Mm -hmm. you know the books that you absolutely feel like you have to have on your shelf pre-order them so you know you're going to get a copy. And um, and then I would keep a list of books that you don't want to live without, but maybe can't afford right now, and just sort of keep an eye on those. Um, You know, check in every month or so and and see what's happening with them, because those could sell out too. Um, You know, but then there's you know this isn't all doom and gloom. I mean, some books are hanging on for a long, long, long time. Uh, There are examples of Marvel, Marvel maybe printing too many copies of a book and they don't sell out until there's a big blowout sale, you know, mm-hmm. so.
0: Well, Ultim- Ultimate Comics Avengers kind of feels like one that kind of goes into that, you know, that kind of category by Mark Millar under the omnibus category, because that's been, a, like, a long time.
1: Yeah, it has, and, um, that one actually, uh, I believe has sold out as well. Um, I don't know, did I make that part of the last list?
0: It's on the most recent list under your yeah. listing, yeah.
1: So that's sold out, and, um... It's still available. There's plentiful copies of that on Amazon. I'm looking at right now. The highest priced new one is twenty eight dollars, which is very very affordable. Oh my goodness! And, yeah, and that's a brand new copy. Um, so, and that's a cool book. You know, that that's a pretty underrated you know set of stories by Mark Millar. Um, and it's got all of them in that book. All the all that series of comics from that particular. Couple years of Ultimates that Mark was writing are all in that book, and um, so it's a cool book. And uh, I have it. <laughs> so
0: I want to jump back for a second on the Doctor Strange front because you, you'd mentioned the, the you know what kind of prices you were seeing. Now I'm Canadian, so obviously I see very different prices on Amazon.ca, but it's actually significantly cheaper on the Canadian version, which is interesting because you'd expect it to be a little bit more expensive because of exchange. Oh. But it's yeah. it's like sixty eight dollars Canadian for the Doctor Strange omnibus. Hey, that's great. Which I think I might buy as we speak. Shit. Because <laughs> um, I've been I've been putting it off, but now that I I know it's uh, it's on its way out, I definitely want to take advantage because that's a great really? collection of oh, stories.
1: So people can people listening to this podcast can live vicariously <laughs> through a guy in Canada buying a Doctor Strange omnibus. That would be awesome. I think people would be in that.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, see, that book is still in stock from, from Amazon Canada. And, you know, another thing that um, people really need to uh, look at is that if you have an Amazon U.S., if you live in the United States and you have an Amazon account, you can buy from Amazon Canada and Amazon U.K. And um, you can find some very favorable prices on, on books. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the way that, um, you know, the economy, global economy is going right now, you know, the pound isn't as strong as it was, you know, a, while, uh, a couple of years ago. And um, not only can you get um, really uh, discounted prices uh, on, on especially like uh, I'm thinking specifically of CDs right now because I just bought a Fleetwood Mac. I'm a big Fleetwood Mac fan and they put out this super duper deluxe edition uh, of one of their albums. And it's like a box set, three CDs and a Blu-ray and a vinyl LP and all this stuff. <laughs> Well, on Amazon US, it's full list price. It's like $100. and But from the UK, I got it for £62. Um, and that's, when you look at the prices on Amazon UK, that includes the VAT. So when I put it in my uh, checkout uh, cart, they deduct the VAT from it. So the, it's like 20% lower than what you see as the listed price. And even crazier than that, is the shipping costs from the U.K. across the ocean to the U.S. is only about four pounds. What? Which, yeah, it translates to like $5 shipping. Okay, and so that's ridiculous. I, got that, I know. I got, that, um, I got that box set for about $35 less than I would have buying it from Amazon U.S. That's amazing. So, it's yeah,
0: it's, kind it's of, interesting yeah, because from a Canadian perspective – When I like, if I try to order something from Amazon.com, the shipping kills me. Like it's it's so expensive to ship just from the U.S. to Canada that it ends. And then you also have to factor in currency conversion. That half the time it ends up actually not being a deal at all. It's about the exact same that I would just pay just buying it through Amazon.ca. So it's interesting to hear you having such a great experience from going to the other uh, affiliates, whereas as a Canadian, it's like the completely different story. (laughs)
1: yeah exactly and another thing too uh, i remember uh my buddy jess who lives in the uk and um he does all the banners on my message board for him uh there was an example of a omnibus that went out of print before i got a copy and that was the wolverine and the x-men by jason aaron book Mm. and i really wanted that book and it just slipped slipped by me and next thing i knew it was sold out at tales of wonder and i went on um Amazon and it was like crazy. It was like 150, dollars but they had one one copy in stock uh, from a marketplace seller in the UK that was very reasonably priced. It was like you know 80 US. So I bought that and had it shipped to uh, to Jess, and he's still babysitting my Wolverine and the X Men omnibus. Uh, I don't have it yet technically, but I at least I have it uh, you know theoretically. So. I got. I I I just want to encourage people to, if you run into a roadblock shopping around in the U.S., that it's worth a look at some of these other websites for Amazon specifically. If you're a, you know, a loyal Amazon shopper, um, you can look around on these other websites and find vastly different price points and deals. So, um, what I like to think is that the storefront pages that I maintain allows people pretty quickly to sort of surf around and and. Very quickly get in and get out of a cross comparison uh, shopping experience, and you know, and so uh, I—that's uh, what I use it for, and I just assume other people are using it for that too. So,
0: absolutely. Uh, w- were there any other of the you know kind of recent omnibuses that are coming out, like coming out of print, that surprised you, or was a lot of them kind of ones that you're like, well, that makes sense, like Superior Foes of Spider Man. I kind of figured eventually that was going to go out of print because that's kind of a niche book and yeah. they wouldn't have printed that many and then when they're gone, they're gone.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and that's an awesome book, by the way. I love That book is so funny and so artfully done. And uh, there's very little Spider-Man in it. It's basically about uh, Boomerang and his sort of little crew of supervillains. <laughs> and it's very irreverent and very very funny it reminds me of um sort of the justice league international kind of vibe to it oh, from uh, Keith Giffen and, and J.M. DeMattis who's writing that and Kevin McGuire it reminds me a lot of that has that same spirit and um and it's so I highly recommend that it's still very affordable right now you can get it for half off from marketplace sellers or probably on eBay too um and, uh, that's, that's one, I guess, um, hung in there for a while. It was, it, it, it took about a year, I think, to sell through. Um, not really, look. Not nothing else really jumps out at me is, I guess, X-Men Avengers Onslaught has sold out, which makes sense. Um, I think that was out for about eight months. Um, the Uncanny Avengers is finally sold through, mm-hmm. um, that one was maddening because they put that omnibus together which is a stellar stellar book that series by Rick Remender was fantastic
0: but it ends on a cliffhanger um,
1: it ends on a cliffhanger and then they did another 5 issue series that was not included in the omnibus that came out after the omnibus and i don't know how that happened but maybe if they do a second print they'll you know stick that one in there
0: uh, that is interesting, yeah. but I guess they, they had... I guess, I can't remember the exact release date, but I feel like the omnibus for Uncanny Avengers was hitting as Axis was coming out. Like yes, was, I think which, so. Which is an interesting. Usually when they bundle together these omnibuses, they're not you know, to sell a new event or to, you know, kind of get people caught up because usually you have the, you know, the premier hardcovers of a book, which is what they did with Uncanny Avengers, and then suddenly you got this omnibus out of nowhere. It was a very interesting decision because it's just not what I would have expected and didn't kind of fit their traditional model.
1: Right. Yeah, it was, I think that the seeds of that might have been sown early on when uh, Axis was sort of supposed to be... Um, sort of a self-contained storyline in Uncanny Avengers, and then they parlayed it into a big Marvel Universe-wide event. And uh, so probably somewhere along the line through that, uh, things got a little confused as to what books were going to come out when and how they were going to you know, repurpose all this material in collections and things like that. So that, that may have had something to do with it. So.
0: I also thought Onslaught would have been kept in print longer, but that's just because I have nostalgia goggles. Right. Uh, and I can't help myself. Like I actually recently picked that up for myself and I'm super happy that I did cuz I would have right. eventually kicked myself for not getting it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, Marvel has brought um The Age of Apocalypse back into print. Um mm-hmm. they did a second print of that.
0: I took advantage so, of that.
1: Yeah. Me too. And um they so it's, you know, if there's demand, they'll bring back Onslaught as well. Um I know that David Gabriel at Marvel keeps a close eye on sales levels and you know he not only has access to sales levels but he also looks at sales velocity you know how quickly things sell out sometimes we think things you know sell out quick or take a long time but there's probably analytics that are more complex than we you know have on the outside and then also he's talking to retailers all the time and if uh, retailers are saying dude you gotta gotta bring that onslaught back then you probably will um but if it's all crickets out there, uh, you know, if they sold every if they sold, if they every onslaught consumer has his book on the shelf, then it doesn't really matter how fast it's sold out if there's nobody left out there to tap, you know. Yeah. Um, but what I'd like to see is sort of a prelude to onslaught uh, hardcover, you know, to cover all the stuff from before. Um, I enjoy the oversized hardcovers that are covering the X-Men. And um, so that would be kind of cool.
0: When I when I looked at the um, the uh, oversized hardcovers, it, it struck me how many of them were just very old collections, or felt yeah. like they've been on there forever. Um, so I felt like there's less surprises there because most of that stuff, yeah, hasn't been around a long
1: time. Yeah, some of that stuff probably sold out through Diamond a long time ago. It's just the Tales of Wonder might have had mm. books sitting on the shelf that um, that were unsold. Sometimes Diamond sells out before the retailers uh, are able to offload books that maybe they bought in quantity and were a little bit more bullish about selling and they still have them, you know? Um, but then there's stuff on there. Like, um, you know, the first, I made a point of mentioning on my forum about superior Spider-Man, the first volume of that is sold out. Um, and that's an excellent book. Mm -hmm. Um, the, both of the Thor God of thunder oversized hardcovers are sold out. Hopefully that'll come out an omnibus omnibus next. Um, and then there's, uh, let's see, you know, stuff like the 12, which I'm kicking myself because I didn't buy that. Um, but that I had, you know, nobody to blame but myself because the 12 came out years ago, two or three at least. And it finally sold through. Um, and uh, <clears throat> Fury Max, my War Gone By, I haven't read that yet, but some friends of mine have and said it's really, really great, which I don't doubt because of the creative team behind it. And another thing about Max stuff is, is I don't think Marvel brings that stuff back into print. I don't think that, you know, I think it's rare that they bring Max stuff uh, back into print. So that's one that I would probably prioritize getting if I didn't already have it.
0: Yeah, I feel like unless it's the Punisher the Mac stuff doesn't usually come back or actually alias too. I mean, I think those are the only real, uh, max related titles that have ever really come back.
1: Yeah, that's true. And that sort of is a new status quo because of the Netflix stuff and Netflix sort of maybe has changed. There's really not a lot of Jessica Jones stuff out there to reprint, you know? So it's gotta be the Mac stuff or nothing. And so, um, that's sort of, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for the omnibus though of the punisher, Max, because all those oversized hardcovers came and have all sold out, um, and it would seem obvious that they would want to do an omnibus of that. So we'll see.
0: Hmm. Um, you want to continue on the list, or
1: yeah, well, some of the highlights oh, 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 here covers.
0: Well, I noticed. Um, actually, I guess the one of the newest ones to go out of print, I guess, was uh, the Civil War reprinting. Um I think yeah cuz i mean that it's got a movie cover so we know it's kind of time stamped so to speak but
1: yeah um uh, yeah i forget when the second print of that came out but um you know that's i think that's that's sort of an evergreen title now um that uh civil war was not only a high watermark for marvel's comics publishing In the new century, you know, the last fifteen years, that's probably the biggest event Marvel has done: is Civil War. Um, It's also pretty good. Uh, Mark Millar and Steve McNiven, great art. Um, You know, their quibbles about certain elements of the story aside, you you can't say that Millar didn't bring his A game on that series. Um, And so that's sort of going to be a routine, you know, sellout. I think so. I would anticipate that that's going to come back back into print in some form or fashion. It's already had two runs as an oversized hardcover. There's uh, that box set, yep. which is crazy uh, over the top box set, uh, and those are premier hardcover size. And you know, of course, trade paperbacks. Um, and you know, I I could see that one coming back into print pretty soon uh, at some point so and yeah also the other side of that though is that it's also the title of uh, one of the most popular Marvel movies now um and that sort of drives more people to want to read and own that series so
0: absolutely um did you ever pick up the X-Men Mutant Mutant Genesis 2.0
1: I did not no I did not
0: have you ever read it or seen what it looks Uh, like
1: I think I thumbed through it once uh to check out the recoloring um that's probably the only reason I would buy it is if the recoloring was like really, really awesome. Uh, what did you think?
0: I really liked it. I, I picked it up kind of on a whim and, um, I, 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 a lot of people have very strong feelings about recoloring. Um, and I, I don't want to ir- irk their ire or bring up their ire, but <laughs> I actually thought it was really entertaining. Like it, it really made it feel different. Um, I mean, it was still the great art you knew, but, Colored in a more vibrant, you know, modern techniques. And uh, I really liked it. I mean, it doesn't replace the original, obviously. But um, yep. although to be honest, now I kick myself because I don't have the Marvel Premiere hardcover cl- of the um, of the original Mutant Genesis. I have it in trade somewhere. I think it's part of like X-Men Visionaries or something. I, I can't remember exactly what it is. But I don't actually have the hardcover of that, of that collection, which kind of bums me out to kind of go with my 2.0. Right.
1: Well, do you have the Claremont and Lee Volume Two Omnibus? I don't.
0: I I, huh? I passed on it.
1: Okay. Well, now you, you do not deserve any pity, so because <laughs> um, it's in there. And yeah, you know, I actually um, i I think recoloring is great. Uh, I think more power to them. I, I think the only time it's bad is when the coloring hap- the recoloring happens to be bad. Hmm. But sometimes the recoloring can be really good, and, and it can be sort of. Revelatory of uh, the art in a different and, and novel way, um, and so I I kind of like that. Um, and you know, it doesn't make the old comics go away. I mean, you know, you always have the comics in your collection somewhere. There, sure. I don't think there's I don't think there's an example of stuff that's been recolored where that was the only thing that was in print. Um, so
0: true, and I, I think it also depends. Like with something like. Um, you know, Mutant Genesis 2.0, like it was a very concerted effort. Like this is going to be vivid. This is going to be different. Like I think sometimes when you see recolorings, it's not necessarily as intensive. Like if you look at the sheer amount of work it would have taken to recolor Mutant Genesis, like I feel like that's very different. Like that's I've seen some other recolorings, and it never seems to be quite on the same scale. Like it's almost like they're updating, but they're not overhauling. Whereas this felt like a completely different. You know, it was like going from uh, a VHS to like a, you know, a, a 4K, like it was that different right. you know, of, a, of an image, whereas some recolorings I've seen haven't been that drastic, at least not to me. Right. Although I'm also well, colorblind, yeah. so who can tell? Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you know, to me, the hallmark of, of modern recoloring of classic material is the covers that uh, Corey Sotomayor commissioned from Dean White, for the masterworks, the soft cover masterworks. Um, those are just so freaking amazing. I, I love almost every one of them. Um, it's just a really cool take on some of the iconic art that, you know, from, from, you know, the sixties and seventies Marvel and, uh, Dean's, uh, Dean's, uh, p- modern palette and his sensibility really kind of brings that stuff alive in a different way. And, I'm not, I would never A, B stuff and say, his is better here. His, that, you know, his is better here, you know. I, I'm not going to play that game. I'm just going to enjoy both of them for what they are. So, Absolutely. I like, like that stuff.
0: How did you feel about the uh, Thor by Walt Simonson omnibus?
1: Well, um, I never, I mean, I have that. I uh, didn't, I believe it or not, still have that omnibus shrink-wrapped. Oh, really? wow <laughs> i haven't even uh I haven't even gotten into that book yet to to see so uh i don't I don't know how that stuff looks recolored so
0: we should talk afterwards okay <laughs> after you've read that <laughs> I like it but i I know a lot of people object to it and I think right. some people maybe object to it less on um on a if it's actually good kind of level and more of a principle that they want it. To, as it was originally presented, and I I understand that perspective as well. Like, it's I can I can kind of see both. And it's kind of to draw a, not direct comparison, but like you know, you watch Star Wars and you have all these odd versions, but you don't really have the the original release version doesn't really exist in a high right. definition format, and people want that, but they don't want the you know the special editions that got kind of cleaned up and changed later, which is somewhat similar to this type of idea.
1: Right. Right. Well. You know, Corey is uh, full full speed ahead on Thor and Masterworks, and you know it'll be another five years, I guess. But uh, we'll be doing Masterworks for the uh, you know for that era of Thor, and now that'll be in the original coloring palette. Absolutely, uh, which I don't think a lot of people are going to argue with. No, I Um, feel like that's
0: going to be a very popular run of Masterworks.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it may come out in an Epic collection before that. I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that. But if the Epic collection comes out, they will also be in the original, uh, coloring palette. If you want this recolored version, it's pretty much the omnibus as of now. That's, that's exclusively where that material is available.
0: Well, I guess there's weren't there also the Thor visionaries? I mean, those are long out of print, but I mean, I guess in theory
1: for the recolored ones though, were they?
0: No, I think those are the originals, were right.
1: Yeah, those are the original coloring. Yeah. So I
0: think you can find the original coloring there if you really didn't like the yeah. recolored in the omnibus. Right. I guess All you're right. The omnibus is really the only way to get the recolored version.
1: Right. All those are out of print.
0: Oh. Uh, I think. Oh, absolutely. They must be like long out of print. Like those. I, I see them sometimes kicking around in like used bookstores, but they because they're still around, but. Yeah, like the, you can't find them on the larger retailers for a, a good price Actually, anymore
1: some of them you can, the Thor by Walter Simonson um, because they, they redid that series, at first it was Thor Visionaries, Walter Simonson that's right, and then they brought that back into print as Thor by Walter Simonson <laughs> uh, and so those, some of those are still in print, but the first volume is out of print, and the last volume is out of print um you know, you can still get those affordably. Those, those aren't those aren't particularly hard to, to track down, uh, and of course, they're some of the best Marvel comics uh, of the '80s. And uh, some would say that it's the best uh, Thor run ever. Um, I would argue with them on that, but it's definitely worthy of consideration. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely, definitely be in the in the top couple.
1: Yeah, top two or three. I would go with, uh, of course, Lee and Kirby. Uh, and then I would, uh, you know, I would probably go with Walter Simonson's next because it was so innovative at the time and it just really mind bogglingly innovative material. At, it just, you can't take that away from it. Uh, but I almost as much love the run by Juergens and John Armita Jr. Oh, yeah. Uh, just think that's John Armita Jr.'s high point of his career, I think. Um, and it, his was sort of a blend, actually, of. In my mind, of what Simonson did with, you know, Kirby. Um, and, uh, but Thor has been blessed with some really great artist runs over the years. Um, you know, and I think Thor, since J. Michael Straczynski, has been uh, a pretty great comic book, uh, pretty consistently. So, for
0: sure. When um, when I look at the Marvel Premier Classics that are kind of going out of print, it's kind of a, a sad, long farewell to that to that you know run of books. Yeah,
1: yeah that that line is defunct, and uh, but it was a good little run while it lasted. And what's neat about it is you know it's 107 volumes. You kind of get a macro view on what were the great storylines in Marvel history, and some of the some of the not I mean the outsider ones that you would never have thought of you know I'm not sure the world needed uh you know that Iceman miniseries (laughs) you know but it's nice to have on my shelf I have it on my shelf um (laughs) but it's you know that's a uh that's a line that sort of ran out of gas and was replaced and and you know by the epic collections and so, slowly but surely, all those are selling out now. I think there's only like 20 that are still in print. I was and, su-
0: surprised uh, that the death of Jean de, uh, Gene de Wolf lasted that long. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously, they probably overprinted that one compared to a lot of the others because that is such a, a kind of a, a seminal Spider Man story. But the fact that it kind of lasted this long and at this late date was kind of interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that that is a classic. And. I'm looking at uh, Amazon right now. There's only one copy that's for as cheap as list price. It's twenty seven dollars, hmm. and uh, it's in shrink wrap, brand new, and it's from a ninety nine percent retailer. So that that would be a confident purchase. But then the next lowest price is getting up around fifty bucks, and that's a, a good condition used copy. Yeah. So um, so that's one that obviously there still seems to be residual consumer demand out there Um, because you know that's such a recognizable title everybody remembers that storyline from when they were reading comics in the 80s Um, same with Craving's Last Hunt that's another one that you know Marvel will probably that's an evergreen I think that qualifies as an evergreen they they can keep that in print in many different ways
0: yeah and that's coming out in uh, epic collection format very shortly
1: yep so that's
0: another way to get that book yep like I, I, feel like by the, by the time that comes out, like I think I'm gonna have it like four or five times already. Like it's there's right. like there's a lot of different places you can get that. Like I remember I had the, I think it was like a, a early '90s trade of that, like a very old version, and then I replaced it with the Marvel Premiere Classic. But I, you know, yeah, I, I've got it in a few different places, plus the original issues, plus this new Epic Collection. So, and I think I own okay. it digitally too. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm getting that Epic Collection. I. I I don't need a lot of the other ones uh, because I've either got that material in Omnibus or whatever, but I'm going to get that one. And also, um, but I, I'm going to keep my premiere hardcover because it's nice to just have that storyline in one book, you know. Um,
0: well, what I like about that one is that it has the sequel, doesn't it? Well, Kraven's uh, from... hardcover? Oh, no, not Craven! I was thinking of Gene DeWolf.
1: but. Cool. Wolf has the sequel, yeah. which is
0: what makes that one really special because that's harder to find. I don't think it's ever been collected anywhere else,
1: right? Not yet. Um, yeah, Craven's Last Hunt is another one. That premiere hardcover is going through the roof right now on the back market. So,
0: <laughs> I how much is it going for in the back market?
1: Well, uh, the cheapest new is forty five dollars, and that's a good condition quality if you're a condition freak you're gonna to have to pay a little more
0: yeah
1: um, and the cheapest new um is 80 81 dollars so and that's from someone who just launched their amazon account so you're gonna be rolling the dice on that one <laughs> <laughs> check this out okay sorry ws barfield I, I hate to be calling you out here <clears throat> it's a new con- it's a new condition but the description says dust cover has signs of shelf wear. Uh, mm. Hey man, that's not new. According to Amazon's uh, rules and regulations, that would be like new. So, you know, good luck with selling that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, the the regular kind of Marvel Premiere hardcovers, I, I'm I still kind of get surprised that I, I know people love hardcovers, but the fact that they were pumping out these hardcovers for almost everything still boggles my mind a little. Yeah. It's just the sheer amount of content.
1: Oh yeah. They, they, they were pumping 10 of those books out every month. It seemed like for a long, long time. And, uh, and then they went to, uh, uh, they took the just dust jackets away. Mm -hmm. And, uh, now it's just, you know, front and back boards with no jacket, which, you know, has an appealing aesthetic to it. Um, and now uh, they sort of have been in decline. The only only the most premiere of Marvel series get Marvel premiere in hardcovers now. <laughs> so uh, that includes stuff like uh, Doctor Strange. Um, I think, uh, what were some of the other ones? Well, that's uh,
0: selling out really fast because, I mean, that's not, I mean, Volume 2 only came out like very recently right and that's already kind of on its way out, like a lot of this stuff on the, on the Marvel Premier hardcover list is a lot older material, like it's been there for a while it's just finally kind of selling through and it's over so there's right. only a kind of a few on that list where you're like whoa that's pretty recent and it's yeah. really comes down to dr Strange like that's the newest material here
1: right yeah, looking at uh, uh, the all new all different it's just uh, dr Strange and the Mighty Thor series, which is the Jane Foster Thor. Those are the only two that currently are getting premiere hardcovers. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Iron Man, Invincible Iron Man. Oh, is yeah. also Getting, uh, getting that treatment. And one other Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: It's still getting it?
1: Yeah. So wow. Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Invincible Iron Man, International Iron Man, Doctor Strange and Thor so you know basically all your big movie properties are getting that hmm.
0: so interesting, interesting. yep uh, the hardcover the license material I didn't realize they were still putting out hardcovers for those
1: Um, like what which ones Um,
0: um actually I to be honest I'm not sure if I even knew that they were in hardcover format like well, any of these that,
1: that page that I have um, the icon stuff that comes out of Marvel icon still, that's still sort of an ongoing thing. And so every now and then you'll get something. I think Brian Bendis is still doing some stuff through icon. Um, and Malar has done some stuff within the last few years. Um, they're also bringing back some of Bendis's stuff through the icon imprint, like his jinx and, uh, fire uh, powers, stuff like that. Um, but, uh, as and the James Patterson material, um, I don't even know if they call it Marvel best-selling authors anymore, but that used to be sort of the branding they put on any of the uh, novel novelist adaptations uh, of their materials, so like Stephen King, um, Laurel K. Hamilton, the Orson Scott card, all that stuff was, uh, even we were doing some George R. R. Martin stuff, Marvel was, uh, Hedge, Hedge Knight. Which was actually a really, really cool little book, book, which is impossible to get hold of now. It's so expensive. But all that stuff is sort of Marvel's, you know, Marvel's strategy has changed in the last 10 years so, so much that they're not really focusing on that type of material anymore. So um, uh, they're letting all that stuff go out of print. And I'm not the biggest Laurel K. Hamilton fan, fan out there, but if you look at some of the prices on that stuff, man, that's just going up through the roof. Oh, wow. Really? wow. Those adaptations, yeah. So if you ever wanted that stuff, sorry, tough luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy the novels. Um, no. And then we had the Marvel Illustrated series, which Roy Thomas wrote a lot of those adaptations. So it was good to see him doing stuff for Marvel, and that's right in his wheelhouse. Um, but all that stuff is now going out of print I think uh, Dum Dum Dugan who does uh, a lot of the updates on my website remarked to me that um, I think it was Treasure Island uh, that was in Marvel's top selling trades for last month or two months ago Really? so Marvel must have blown that out on some special price um, (laughs) because that that one somehow wound up in the top you know collections list for marvel uh, so those uh a lot of those marvel published a lot of that licensed stuff that a lot of people may not realize did a lot of it a huge quantity of it but not as much anymore hmm.
0: now one thing i want to talk about is the uh the ultimate slash complete collections so that there's some interesting stuff kind of finally selling through or coming out. And before I talk about it, though, um, the one that bugs me the most that's been out of print for a while, and I don't understand it, and I know a lot of people don't, is the uh, Amazing Spider-Man by JMS Volume 5. Yeah. That thing is ridiculous. (laughs) Like, I don't know why it's so hard to find it. Like, I feel like volumes one to four, I I found them, like, they had a second-hand bookseller in Toronto, the 15 bucks a volume, like, super easy. So I'm like, oh, I'm finally going to pick these up. You cannot find, like, I... I think the cheapest I was able to find volume five for was like double what I paid for all four volumes. (laughs) Like, I don't know what it is about that volume. Like, are they just never going to reprint it or like what's going on there?
1: I don't know. Well, you know, there's a confluence of stuff that goes into these decision-making processes for books like this. One is that, you know, you've got, uh, it was, let me, let me dial it back a little bit and talk about ultimate collections, which were, Marvel putting long runs of uh, particular lines of books into trade paperbacks—they had not really done that before. It was usually, um, you know, hit or miss lines dedicated to short run series or whatever. Um, but these books were really big. They would reprint about you know fifteen to twenty issues of, of stuff, and um, it really hit the type of market that supports a line like that. Um, you know, fans, I think Marvel realizes now that fans, that's what, that's sort of the sweet spot in the market right now is fans getting long runs of books for an affordable price. Um, and uh, rather than Marvel curating sort of uh, certain collections that may not, may not include everything yeah. So anyway, Amazing Spider-Man by JMS came out. We're one of the first books in that series they put out. And I don't think they properly thought through the brand Ultimate Collection, uh, There was, but obviously now they have sort of uh, revised it because they've now called those books that used to be Ultimate Collections, they're now calling Complete Collections. Uh, and so I think they realized that the Ultimate Collections were getting confused with Ultimate Universe comic books that were being collected. So Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Iron Man, Ultimate Avengers, all that stuff. um, It didn't make a lot of sense to confuse the marketplace um, with Ultimate collections of regular Marvel Universe material. So ASM by JMS is very popular stuff, and it sold out pretty quickly, um, especially that last volume. Um, which probably had fewer quantity printed than the first volume, because that's normal in lines of books. There's fewer down the line. It's just a natural um, element of uh, of sales. Is lots and lots of people show up for the first volume that are no longer around for the last one. Um, so, if Marvel wanted to bring that stuff back into print, they would, you know, have, they would probably they would do it as complete collections. I just don't think they are ready to do it yet because there's so much Spider-Man material they would rather focus on. Uh, As hard as that is to believe. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of stuff that's never been in print. And I think Marvel's focusing on that material right now Hmm. um, through omnibus books and through epic collections. Um, And I think eventually they'll come back around to JMS. I hope in an omnibus. I hope that, you know... I have those old Best of Spider-Man hardcovers, the oversized books that reprint all of that. So, um, But I hope they bring it back as an omnibus in one book or maybe two books. So we'll
0: see. You reminded me of a, an OCD thing I have going on right now is that whenever I look at my uh, my, my big-time collections, the first volume is an ultimate collection and volumes two to four are complete collections. drives now, me which crazy. One
1: which one is that?
0: That's the uh, Spider-Man Big Time. Next oh, one. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, the first volume is, uh, is just says the Amazing Spider-Man Big Time Ultimate Collection, and it has no volume number, and then the one after it is the uh, <laughs> Big Time Complete Collection Volume 2, and then 3 and 4.
1: That stuck by me. That stuck by me.
0: And actually, and then in terms of content, one thing that bugs me in that is that in uh, Volume 4, it ends before Dying Wish, which... It me, because you don't actually have the ending of the big-time era where Spider-Man dies. It's not in there. Uh, they yeah. haven't done a complete Superior Spider-Man that would include Dying Wish, so Dying Wish isn't really included in these larger collections. And plus, you have the Alpha miniseries included in Volume 4, which takes place after Superior Spider-Man is a thing. Yeah. So it drives me mental. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think there's probably a larger strategy that has yet to unfold for that.
0: Um, oh, most the likely. They, they, they plan these things out. I mean, they're not dumb. They know exactly what yeah. they're doing, and I, I give them a lot of credit because I I do understand that they're way ahead of all of us, and they always have all this kind of planned yeah. out, and people like Jeff and, and et cetera are always working on it, so I do put my faith in that. It just Sometimes it just makes me scratch my head, but I'm <laughs> sure at some point the plan will unveil itself.
1: We'll see. Maybe not. It may never. It may never. <laughs> so we'll be shaking our fist at Marvel for the rest of our lives. over there. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I didn't realize that that had switched, uh, monikers, uh, halfway through the, the, uh, the first two volumes. You know, the first volume is ultimate and the second is complete. I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's the only well, one I know of that switched in the middle.
1: Yeah. I, I, it probably is. One thing I wanted to mention was that, uh, ghost rider, um, Ultimate Collection has been brought back into print as a complete collection. So I think that's the ultimate signal, <laughs> to use a pun, <laughs> that that line is, is pretty much dead, except for uh, continuations of the Ultimate Comics material. I think that's still going to be called Ultimate Collection.
0: Yeah, and that makes sense, because yeah, as you said, it, it kind of makes more sense for that brand. Right. Um, I'm actually um, one thing I want to mention as well is that we have the uh, "The Journey into Mystery by uh, Kieran Gillen complete collection going out of print but we have the omnibus coming next year
1: yeah yeah, I've been lobbying for the omnibus for a long time so that's going to be a good one I'm looking forward to reading that all in one sitting well not in one sitting you know what I mean because um, <laughs> uh, it's such a rich series you know there's so much going on it's a very clever series and uh And I want to reread it um, so I will do that through the omnibus um
0: with the 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 kind of the Marvel classic trades. I was more interested in some of the volumes that are kind of disappearing now. I mean you got the kind of the last uh the Hulk visionaries, but Peter David. it makes sense that that's slowly going away finally because obviously the trend is eventually going to be towards the epics kind of collecting that material um right. The kind of proto epics, that, I guess pardon and regression going out of print as well. Yes. Uh, which is interesting. And then uh, all the Marvel First books kind of disappearing as well. Like, I guess they finally did sell through.
1: Hey, that's cool. I like those books. Uh, you know, we were kind of laughing last time about the omnibus for the Marvel First, <laughs> but I think as trade paperbacks, they're awesome. I think they're really cool. You can have on your shelf the first major appearances and you know first issues of all the different major marvel characters that's kind of neat yeah you know?
0: oh for that's sure I, well i think it it works for and this is a little unfair maybe but i think it works for like 60s and 70s books because those for the most part aren't you know, part one of a story—they're the story. You get like a full appearance. Right. Uh, I think having—I think that was more my problem with some of the '90s stuff. Was I mean, obviously some of the material might be suspect, but also the fact that it wasn't necessarily a full story. You were getting the first chapter of a story, and does that really work um, in terms of what it's trying to do? Right. So I think I—I I actually do like the Marvel first, especially the '60s. I mean, some of those intro stories are so short that it's perfect. You can get so many crammed in.
1: Yeah, and you know. There's a lot of uh, non traditional comic book fans out there that are really, in, you know, they're not heavy volume buyers or readers, uh, but they kind of get off on the idea of like reading all these first appearances, first issues that are in their minds, um, you know, sort of pinnacle Marvel achievements. You know, it's like the first issue of Iron Man and the first issue of, you know, Amazing Spider Man and stuff have. There's this mystique about them. And um, so, for those people to have a book that has all that stuff, um, you know, is really cool. And I think it also serves as sort of a relatively low cost sampler for that material that they, if they really like some of the stories, they can then go pursue them in other collections with a, maybe a more, you know, targeted reading experience for that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. I'm I'm happy to see those books going out of print. That's a healthy sign that those books um, are meeting uh, fan demand, and that's cool. And I know Jeff York uh, and his little crew of people work really hard to to you know get those books organized. Um, the other thing is like you mentioned proto epics. It's kind of neat to uh, sort of look at a list of those books, and I think it slowly dawned on Marvel that. Uh, as they were making these books, which were you know 400 to 500 pages in length, which compiled chronologically big long stretches of uh, you know comic material from the major uh, characters and teams that they were they were onto something with that strategy. Uh, you see stuff like um, the Bill Mantlow Hulk stuff like pardoned and regression and crossroads um, which, uh, came out and people really dug those. They're like, wow, these are kind of like, you know, sort of the essentials, the, the dream of the essentials, you know, which was to have all the stuff on my shelf, except it's in color. And, uh, all those are sold out now. And, um, the trial of yellow jacket, Avengers book sold out. Um, the X-Men ghosts book, um, is sold out and going through a lot of money now, so I is think it Marvel. Really? Would,
0: wow, I didn't, I didn't okay. think that would.
1: Well, I think people are realizing that if they want to continue their reading experience from the Masterworks, that they, you know, they, they'll need that book. Because <laughs> I don't know how soon that's going to come back into print as an Epic collection. Mm. Probably not for a while. Uh, so, uh, Marvel looked at the success they were having with that style of book and said, we could build a whole brand around this. And so they did, and uh, the Epic Collections were born. And I think people really, really, really love the Epic Collections. Um, I think when you look at what Marvel's doing with Epics and with Masterworks, those two lines in conjunction are just a fan, a comic Marvel fans' dream come true. You know, because um, it's they're they're doing um, they're they're purposing that material for two very different, uh, largely very different uh, buyer markets. And every both sides are getting their needs met, uh, I think. Uh, people might want to argue with me on that point, but, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about the, the proto epics, I remember um, when it first came out because it was so big, was uh, Captain America The Captain.
1: I think that was the first
0: one. Was that the first one of those? It's so yeah. big. <laughs> I know. Like, and it was a good price. And I was like, "I, how can I not buy this?" Right. Like, right. And, and I don't think I'd read a lot of that material when I when I when I actually came out. And it was it was it was such a it was such a huge swath of, of material. And it was yeah, I'm glad obviously that the epics exist, and I'm glad for the success of these proto versions. I'm the one I kicked myself because I didn't get it. Was the trial of Yellow Jacket. Uh, which is impossible to find.
1: Yeah. I Yeah, that's, uh, I had that, and I, I sold it. <laughs> but, uh, because the Masterworks are, are right around the corner on that stuff,
0: and
1: mm. that'll all be uh, collected in um, Masterworks uh, sooner or later. So, you know, when Masterworks will be an omnibus of the same Masterworks material will be my priority. And so if I, if, if I come across material that is duplicated, I'll usually sell uh, the trade paperback version to fund my uh, continued buying of comic books.
0: Yep. Um, well, I, I get, I'm, I mean, on, on a DC front, I remember I. Um, I was a big fan of Gotham Central, so I picked up all the original trades. But there was missing material because they just didn't print it in those trades. And then, right. like, then they came out with hardcover versions, which included all the missing materials. I bought those. Had to get rid of the old trades. And now, like, I keep pushing myself because I find the omnibus for a really, you know, fairly good price. It's like seventy dollars or so. Um, but I'm like, do I need this? I have these four collected editions already in in hardcover format. And I, I, I find myself continuously wrestling with: Do I pick this up in omnibus? I don't need it, Um, but it's gorgeous.
1: Right. Right. Well, my my opinion is that if if uh, if it's a book I really like and it comes out in an omnibus, I'll get the omnibus because um, I like I like fewer books rather than lots of books. You know. True. That's. But didn't that first Gotham Central trade paperback have a backup strip or something that was not included in the hardcover? Yes.
0: It had an earlier story, I believe, by Greg Rucka featuring Two-Face and Rene Montoya, which is not reprinted in any of the actual Gotham Central books. So there's a reason to keep it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so I I didn't realize that when I sold off the trade to get the hardcover uh, that the Rene Montoya story was not in the hardcover in it, I got very angry after that. <laughs> so, DC, I'm shaking my fist at you right now. It's a, so, good, uh, it's a
0: good story, too, right? Like, it's not even, like, it's it's material that is obviously important to where they go with the character, but it's also just a good story. Yeah, so. It's unfortunate. I don't know
1: why they didn't include it in uh, any of the hardcovers, but.
0: Well, actually, it's interesting because, like, I understand why, because it kind of, it's totally very different just in terms of the art. But it reminds me also, like, you you can play with things in terms of how things are presented in, in a format like that. I mean, going back to something we talked about before, which was the uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, um, there's two issues that were kind of fill-ins that are now included at the back of the omnibus. So it doesn't actually ruin the main flow of the story anymore. Right. So, I mean, there's ways around it. I mean, it's not technically in the original kind of issue format that it was originally presented in, but it's in a way that makes more sense for, as a reader.
1: Indeed So um, Yeah I think uh, I wanted to mention About uh, The One thing that jumped out At me with the Classic trades Is the uh, Captain America By Dan Jurgens Series That's a three volume Trade paperback set um, And it's complete You know It's all All that material Is in those three books But the third volume Went out of print Before volumes one and two so that's another example in real time of what you went through with the Amazing Spider-Man and JMS. Mm. Uh, so that third volume is out of print and unlikely to get a second print. So if you want that book, I would recommend hopping on it now. Um, you know that uh, you know that that stuff may come back into print as an omnibus would be my guess at some point, but my guess is that they'll. They'll do stuff like Mark Wade first, and then they'll do stuff like the Grunwald stuff and Omnibus. And they'll probably do the Rick Remender stuff first before they'll get around to old Dan, Dan's run. <laughs> so, you know, uh, if you don't have that third volume, that's an example of, like, you, you can't just assume that the first volumes are going to sell out. And so you can take your time to get the latter volumes. You need to keep an eye on the whole line um, of, st- of stuff that you're interested in.
0: Well, speaking of later volumes, you got New Mutants Classic Volume Seven.
1: Yeah,
0: and then even the uh, now this one I'm actually surprised at just because of what's going on at Marvel right now with uh, both the original Clone Saga and the complete Ben Riley epic going out of print.
1: Yeah, that blows my mind. Uh, The Ben Riley epic, well the the Ben Riley epic is coming back into print simultaneously as an omnibus and. As second prints of the sort of quasi epic collection versions of the complete, you know, Ben Riley stuff, Um, that kind of blows my mind. I guess there's still a big market out there that Marvel imagines for this material, Mm -hmm. and I hope there is. I hope there
0: is. Um, There is a surprising amount of um, of people. I mean, I uh, I I bought you know all the volumes of the of the uh, you know complete Clone Saga epics. I mean, I have what, the five volumes of the Clone Saga and then the six volumes of Ben Riley, So I bought all 11 volumes plus the the original Clone Saga um, kind of proto-epic as well. So, I mean, I bought all 12 volumes, but I can't bring myself to buy the Omnibus, even though I like the idea that it has a better reading order. Um, First of all, I'm just worried that they're not going to finish it. Um, because that's a huge amount of material. Like if it was like a two volume set, I'd be like, well, they're probably going to get around to volume two. But when there's 11 trade, like larger trades of material and right. the first uh, omnibus, I think only gets through like maybe two and a half trades of it. There has to be a significant investment in omnibuses. And the, first of all, those aren't cheap. And second of all, are they going to get through all of them? And so that worries me to no end, and as much as I'd love this better reading order, and having this huge epic collection, sorry, epic uh, storyline, and one, you know, s- uh, big series of omnibuses, I just, I'm too too nervous about being stuck with having just a volume one or just a volume two, and then not having the rest.
1: Yeah, I, I think the odds are pretty good that you're going to get that second Clone Saga omnibus to finish out, you know, the, uh, the Clone Saga epic. Um, so, I'm pretty comfortable letting go of my Clone Saga epic trades. However, I'm holding on to my Ben Riley trades. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, I anticipate that those will also get the omnibus treatment, but I'm not going to expect that it will. Um, and anticipating and expecting are, are two different things. So um, so I'm going to, as a precautionary measure, hold on to my Ben Riley trades.
0: So, <laughs> Probably a good idea. Uh, ones that surprised me that are going out of print are the Infinity Gauntlet, um, yeah. because you'd think with you know what's coming next year uh, in the movies that you'd think that they would you know be working on keeping that continuously in print, um, as well as um, Daredevil: Born Again. Just with the success of the Netflix show and the fact, and actually the Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen collection as well, the volume two, you'd think they'd be keeping that more readily available because it's very you know close in tone to what the TV show has done.
1: I think they will. I think um, DC has always had a priority of keeping stuff in print in a very seamless fashion, um, and Marvel has had a whole different philosophy on that. They don't mind letting stuff sort of fall out of print for a little while, and then they build up, you know, buyer demand through their retail network and through, you know, what they think the, the fans will want, um, and then they'll bring it back. So I would anticipate that something like Born Again. Will come back into print probably as you know maybe a second print of that soft cover. It had um, it had a, a premier hardcover. Um, it was part of the omnibus. That omnibus by Frank Miller Companion. It was in there, and that's had two printings. So um, so you know that's something. I think Born Again is one of uh, Marvel's evergreens that they look at. It's just that Marvel. Marvel doesn't make a priority of making it a seamless transition between printings like DC does. So, you know, but I would not think that that's going to be out of print for very long. It'll, it'll come back at some point somewhere.
0: Very true. Um, another one, uh, with Marvel's coming out of print, I keep hoping they'll do a kind of a Marvel's omnibus that, not a omnibus because it's almost too big, but I want them to collect uh, that and the sequel and then also the kind of bonus material that's been released over the years because it's a great series. I have the Marvel Premiere Classic of it. I just want it with the, the sequel as well, all in one spot.
1: Yeah, which which series are you talking about? Uh, Marvels. Marvels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, Marvels is another, you know, I should probably start a thread on the forums about which Marvel books are considered sort of evergreen titles. Hmm. Um, I think Marvel's definitely is one of them. Uh, Marvel thinks so much of it, of course, that they did a big, one of those massive, what do they call it, platinum collections or something, which are yep. you know, they're like the size of a and art book. You know, they're, they're just huge, way bigger than an omnibus book. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, that Marvel's Eye of the Camera series wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. I, I liked it.
0: Well, I liked uh, it a lot. It was an, it was a nice and, thematic kind of uh, you know conclusion to that story, and it was nice to kind of see the '70s characters popping in.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know you might even find room in, in sort of an omnibus collection, perhaps for the Warren Ellis series called Ruins, uh, which is sort of a uh, isn't that sort of a contrast to Marvels? You know, I think it was designed to be that. Uh, for, uh, that could that could maybe be a bonus there um but yeah that would be cool to see that come back into print and i I bet it will i bet it will
0: actually speaking of ruins that's actually in the marvel's companion trade paperback
1: well there
0: you go so actually which is the kind of the weirdest hodgepodge of of material because marvels really didn't have anything that was directly related to it so they just kind of threw in a lot of stuff that was using kind of the same type of visual style that marvels have kind of brought in or Trying to be a little bit more realistic, I I don't know if you remember in the '90s where he had um, Code of Honor. Yes, like that. That's in this book. You also have uh, the miniseries Conspiracy, which I remember reading in the late '90s and being like, this is the best book ever. It's not that great, but it's uh, I still enjoy it a lot. And it's this weird, yeah, it's this big trade that's a companion to Marvel's only a name because it really has nothing to do with Marvels itself, but still doesn't include the Marvel sequel. <laughs> Like it's the companion has yeah. other stuff, but it doesn't actually have anything that right. is directly related to Marvels. Um, it's got some interesting stuff in there, though. It's got a great uh, Wonder Man story. Um, it's Wonder Man's not even in it; he's dead. But about his fan club, which is very um, upsetting. But it's interesting about what fame does and what you know having a connection with fans and what fandom does as well. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting collection. Yeah. So, know so well, I, yeah. I actually forgot. Yeah. Until you mentioned Ruins, I completely forgot that it even existed.
1: I didn't even have Marvel's Companion on my storefront page, so thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to put that on there. Uh, It should be on there. It must have just been an oversight on my part. But, you know, that would make a great omnibus volume, I think, the original Marvel series, the Marvel's Eye of the Camera sequel, and then all the contents of this companion trade. And there's probably a whole bunch of, you know, Alex Ross, you know, bonus material you could put in there and that could be a really cool book
0: absolutely i think it'd be really cool all
1: right well we'll make it happen
0: (laughs) um one thing that's kind of sad but inevitable on your list was uh seeing all the essentials slowly kind of fade away
1: yeah good old essentials they are they are dead and gone (laughs) but you know that line uh you know that line, it was a really cool line for a while. I, ori- originally, I, I resented it greatly because when I started getting back into comics was right when Essentials had sort of launched. Uh, and I was like, I don't want these collections of black and white comics. I want the originals. I want the masterworks. And it was a stated thing back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Like, There's only room in the marketplace for one of these books, so it's either going to be Masterworks or it's going to be Essentials, and I was like ah, doggone it so, uh, you know but the industry has changed greatly since then, and all the reasons why Essentials was the only way you could do a lot of that material have changed now, you know, printing costs have gotten a little uh, easier to produce that same material in uh, color, and um, Marvel's, you know corporate uh, strategies have changed greatly since that time um, and uh, so now we have Epic Collections and this the purpose of the Essentials uh, is being served by the Epic Collections and um, so it was nice while it lasted
0: yeah, and as you said, we really couldn't. We, in a lot of ways, we couldn't have stuff like the Epics if it wasn't for you know those essentials. I mean, they were a, a very popular program because it was. For a lot of people, the only real affordable way to get into reading a lot of original Marvel comics. I mean, the Masterworks are a great program, but they were also a higher-end program that unless you kind of had the money and the desire and you weren't necessarily getting a lot of material, and now here you're getting stuff that was black and white, which was uh, obviously the big trade-off, but you're also getting a ton of story material that you're able to read and enjoy. So it was a great kind of uh, jumping-in point for a lot of people to read stuff they'd never read before.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, like some obscure stuff too, like, you know, man thing and, uh, like rampaging Hulk, the seventies, uh, Hulk magazine that, you know, wasn't necessarily, um, rare, but it wasn't commonplace. And people, a lot of people didn't even know that stuff existed. And, you know, actually I like that essentials volume because it was originally in black and white, same with the tales of the zombie. So I have those essentials on my shelf because those match the original reading experience. Likewise with dark horse doing the savage sword of Conan, um, collections. Uh, but for the color material, um, the essentials were good pretty much only for getting large amounts of material in print so that people could actually read those stories. But as far as appreciating the art, uh, you know, I just didn't, I, I just didn't see it. Um uh, Now, a lot of people did like the fact that you could see, you know, the artwork without the coloring, and you could really focus in more on the, you know, penciling and inking textures in the work. And I get that. But but for me, as far as the comic book, the original, the totality of the original reading experience, the essentials were limited at best. Hmm. And so... Color color collections have always been superior to me, and the masterworks and epics um, sort of have shoved essentials off to the side and into oblivion. <laughs> so
0: when you were when you were checking the um, the DC books that were going out of sale, actually did you did you put a link to the most recent DC ones or no?
1: Not yet. I, I'm going through them right now. Um, so there are you know a bunch of. Um, Archives and omnibus volumes that have been going out of print, and uh, like for instance, I think since my most recent update, all three of the JSA omnibuses have gone out of print. I think I haven't double checked this with Tales of Wonder, but I think the first Flash Silver Age has gone out of print. It's no Mm -hmm. wonder it's it's not available at Tales of Wonder. It's still in stock at Amazon, just like always, but it may be a Inventory, you know, glitch with T-O-W And, but that 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 would be cool if that one's out of print Because then they'll bring it back into print With the new trade dress, which I'm waiting for Um, but look at it Batman by Neil Adams has gone out of print That sucker's Getting expensive Um, (laughs) Animal Man by Grant Morrison Has gone out of print, I'm hopeful they'll bring that back Into print Um and um, the classic trades for DC, um, there's some stuff on there that makes me want to hit myself in the face. like the firestorm, the nuclear man trade went out of print about you know four or five months ago. That's the 70s uh, original 70s run by Jerry Conway. Wow. Um, and I missed out on that. that I, I could get that for twenty to 25 bucks. I just don't have the money for it right now, so. Um, you know, uh, by my lights, the Jeff Loeb stuff is out of print now. The Long Halloween and Dark Victory are both out of print and trade. But those are those they'll bring back into print. I think,
0: you know? Those are. I mean, it's interesting how many different versions of that they'll come come up with because yeah. they've been absolutes. They've been. I think aren't they doing like a noir or unwrapped version of that now? Like they are. Yeah. Like there's These so seem- many different versions of that.
1: DC has. We talked about Evergreens with Marvel. They have way more Evergreen titles than Marvel does, and so they're they're really good about keeping those things in print. Um, I've noticed that the saga of the Swamp Thing stuff has the hard covers that they put out, and the soft covers are now sold out, and the decks are clear for a new run on that material and we had heard about that coming out in omnibus and then now we're hearing that it won't be coming out in omnibus, and that's frustrating to me because um that material begs to be in print it's such high quality stuff and so i'm hopeful that we will see an omnibus collection of the early 70s material all of it not just part of it but all of it even the lesser stuff and then the uh the 80s stuff and again, uh, the first, what, you know, 20 issues of that before Alan Moore deserves to be in print too. So people can read that stuff. A lot of people haven't. And yeah, it's not Alan Moore, but you know, it's still interesting stuff. So
0: there was light, there was life before Alan Moore. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. So, uh, so swamp, swamp thing stuff has been selling out and, um, the Superman, Man of Steel, the John Byrne stuff, those are selling out. Um, I can't imagine that stuff being an omnibus at some point. Like, hopefully soon. I, I would just die to have that material and oversized hardcover. That'd be great. Same with Justice League International. Um, oh, yeah. I would just be very, very thrilled.
0: I'd be Any- happy just to have that on better paper. Right. <laughs> right, right. Like when, because it, it's been reprinted, but I mean, it wasn't yeah. on great paper. I mean, that's the thing. Like some of their older collections just didn't have, you know, some of the production values that we're more used to in some of the Marvel releases. Not always, but I mean, there's been a few Marvel releases in the last few years where I've scratched my head on the paper. Um, I think the um, uh, Age of Apocalypse Prelude is an example of that. Yeah a book where I, I, I don't understand what happened. Like I, if I pick up my issues from the nineties, they have better printing, uh, or as better paper, I should say, than the trade that came out 20 years later. That just doesn't right. make sense.
1: Well, DC, uh, like the justice league international books to be specific, um, uh, that paper stock seemed to me purposefully to emulate, you know, or, the original comic book paper stock, Okay. You know, more in that flavor. Um, uh, and uh, yet it's, you know, it's sort of a, an interesting contrast that it's a high-quality hardcover book <laughs> with you know, that kind of old-school um, paper stock. I think some people actually like that. I certainly don't hate it. I thought it was kind of cool. Mm. They did a similar thing with the Fourth World Omnibus. Um, that paper stock was also sort of that old-school comic book newsprint quality. But I I, I think they've got a level, they've got standards now set with the omnibus as far as binding and paper stock that I hope that they maintain for a while because DC's really upped their game in that department and is turning out a routinely quality product as far as their manufacturing uh, of these books. That's why I'm so excited to see the Green Lantern Omnibus back in print mm-hmm. in this, this new format. And anything that they want to bring back into print for Omnibus with this new standards of manufacturing, I am ready with my wallet to buy. Because um, it's really, really great. You know, Marvel, you know, Marvel has done a lot better job in manufacturing over the years, uh, which 10 years ago would have been a laughable thing, but Marvel stepped it up and really took over from DC. And so, it, you know, it's cyclical again, I guess. But, um, I just want to see crisis post crisis DC specifically. Cause that was my first DC reading experience as a kid, heavy, heavy DC stuff. And I want all that material in all of this volumes on my shelf, the burn Superman, the suicide squad, the, uh, Teen Titan stuff. Um, uh flash Greenland and all that stuff uh, oh I want the blue beetle oh yeah and, and all that charlton stuff that they did I'd love to have that probably unlikely and Omnibus, but we'll see so
0: it's interesting that it just seems like uh, I mean this is it's an unfair generalization but it does feel like, Marvel's a little bit more methodical on kind of getting material back into, you know, the really old books back into print. And DC seems to be at a more leisurely pace at times where, as you said, like a lot of that kind of cr- um, just post-Crisis era stuff. I mean, the Flash stuff hasn't like hasn't is has slowly kind of trickled out. We're finally getting, you know, those Mark Wade collections. But what right. about all the earlier material by uh, Messner, Loeb? Yeah. It's not happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope it will. I hope it will very soon. I think uh, if you look at stuff like the Wonder Woman Perez, um, I think that first volume has sold out. Uh, but that's that's an example of a book that I can't imagine they would leave out of print because it's such great stuff. Uh, and if that sells through, and if they do a Superman by Byrne, they're going to start, if that sells through, which I predict it will, they're going to start looking around for more of that same type stuff. And um, eventually they'll get to stuff like Flash, Um and, uh, you know, the, the post-crisis material with Wally West, um, they'll, that'll come out. I'm
0: hopeful. So I'm very hopeful. I mean, that's some great material. And it's interesting because, you know, Wally, Wally's obviously back now in the comics, but he's still not, he's not the primary Flash either. Like he's, he's around, but ever since they brought back Barry, it, it did uh, understandably kind of lessen the focus on Wally, which is too bad because you had an entire generation of people who just grew up with Wally.
1: Yeah. Well, that was Wally West was my flash. So, um, I'm not, I'm not up on anything they're doing these days. I'm not reading any DC comics these days. I, I mean, I keep up with the headlines and the chatter, but I don't, I don't really know where the emphasis is with these characters. Um, but to me, that material is primary stuff for uh, you know, guys in their forties who grew up on this stuff and have the disposable cash to, to repurchase it um in and big hardcovers. And so I think I think our needs will be will be met pretty soon. Marvel, you mentioned how Marvel does a better job of keeping this stuff circulating. And they do. But it's it's a little bit of an unfairness in that DC has you know, four times as much material to cover. Hmm. And just so it's easier for Marvel to get their arms around um, certain characters and certain titles and make sure that they're comprehensive uh, in a way that fans like. Whereas DC, it's far more difficult to do that. And so you have, like, if I was a Legion of Superheroes fan, I'd be pulling my hair out. It's like, you know, the classic stuff has come out with archives, but man, There's just no consistency with anything post crisis with Legion. No, and uh, and but hopefully soon that that will change in a big way. I hope. So uh, we'll see.
0: It does seem like the kind of '80s period has been underserved in terms of their collections because yeah, there's so much material that came out that just has never really been reprinted, but they've done a much better job of doing the archives editions or, you know, reprinting Silver Age stuff now in in, in a big way. It's just interesting that they're just kind of staying away from post-crisis. Yeah,
1: yeah. It is interesting. It is interesting. Like,
0: people love that stuff. Like, there's a reason why people love that the post-crisis Superman is back is because that's, for a lot of people, that's just their Superman because he was their Superman for 20 years. Like, that's it's understandable if you have an entire fan base who grew up on a character they're going to want that character and they're going to want to be able to go back and you know rebuy these things these adventures and buy these you know bigger collections of doing it i mean whenever they do collections like you know death and return of superman they sell uh people grew up on this stuff this was their first exposure to superman right
1: it's hard for me to 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 know uh the emphasis DC puts on certain characters and certain eras of characters currently, but I know I know that there is um, some thought in the different branches of, of a corporate entity like Marvel or DC that they want to keep they want to keep some sort of synergy between the different departments and what's what's going on now currently in their books. So um, it may be that they want to stay away from versions of Superman that sort of conflict in some way
0: mm. with
1: the one that they have in front of people now, either at the movies or um, in the current line of comics. That's, and that's so a good point. You know, I know that I, I know that there was a big deal in the like people were like, "When are you going to reprint?" This is in the mid two thousands. When are you going to reprint Christopher Priest's Black Panther? because uh, they had come out with a couple of those trades, and then it went dark, that series. Hudlin's and Romita Jr.'s new series had just come out, which was sort of a new take on the character, you know, uh, to, to a great degree, uh, very different. And Marvel probably could have put out more Priest Black Panther trades, but they didn't because they wanted to keep the spotlight on this new version Without people saying, "Gosh, you know, this new version sucks," because the only Black Panther you need is this stuff coming out in the trades. So just, just read that instead. If you've never read it, it's a better experience than the new one. They don't want to—they don't want to open themselves up to that kind of scrutiny. So they, that may be the case with some of this post-crisis stuff. It's hard for me to say because I'm not on top of what they're doing to offer any kind of, uh, you know, suggesting that that's what's happening. But um, that may be—I don't know. But I think the pendulum swings, man, and that material is high quality stuff, and so there'll be there'll be uh, room for it at some point. We're already, like I said, we're already seeing it with Wonder Woman. Um, So now we need to see it with uh, Superman, and especially you know Batman in a big way. Would be nice to see uh, as well.
0: Absolutely, I mean it's interesting. I think that this year we're also seeing. um, the the Green Lantern series that from the, the early '90s being reprinted as well, which is kind of an, an odd series, um, which eventually you know has Hal dying, obviously or not necessarily dying, but going crazy and uh, then fighting Hal, uh, Kyle Rayner. So it's interesting that they're bringing that material in, which is intriguing to me because you know Green Lantern doesn't have as much of a presence. Um, I mean, in terms of the multimedia world at the moment. Right. Whereas you have right. a character like Flash who has a successful TV show, and, right. and again, but again, it makes sense what you said. You know, like why would they necessarily want to promote a character like Wally when you have Barry?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Great. Poor Green Lantern had that horrible, horrible movie, and then uh, you know, and then wasn't invited to join the, the first iteration of the Justice League. So, but I'm I'm happy with the. I mean, pretty soon we're going to have all of the 60s and early 70s material in print and hardcover. Um, so that's, that's good enough for me right now. <laughs> uh, and hopefully the 70s deep into the post-Neil Adams, uh, Denny O'Neill stuff will be taken care of next. Uh, and then, you know, we'll go from there.
0: Do you have any final thoughts you kind of want to share before we uh, sign off for today?
1: I don't know, we, we got off on the DC tangent which was kind of fun um, I will be doing the updates on those pages uh, imminently, like in the next week or so I think I should have all those updated um, I, I did I did want to mention that Dark Horse's Chronicles of Conan uh, series has actually reached its culmination phase I mean, it's, it's complete I think they've done virtually They've done everything in the main line of Conan the Barbarian and all the other lines. Um, the only thing they haven't done yet, there were some smattering of miniseries in the 90s uh, and even early 2000s uh, from Marvel that has yet to be collected. And I, I, they may they may yet be collected. But I did notice in my recent updates that there were just so many of those trades that are going out of print. Mm. Uh, and... There's quite a few of them that I do not have. I have all the first, like, 14, and then at some point I kind of lost track of that line. And so it looks to be a very daunting thing if I want to go and buy all those. So I'm not sure that I will. Um, I'll wait until the next thing happens, which may or may not be an omnibus or a hardcover collection. It may be bringing the trades back into print, or maybe it'll be nothing. I don't know. It's hard to read with Dark Horse. Yeah. But if anybody is interested in Marvel's Conan comics, you really should take a quick look at what's going on with the status of Dark Horse's collections because there, since my last update has been what I called on the forum a bloodbath. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of them that are going out of print and catching, probably catching a lot of people by surprise. They caught me by surprise. Hmm. So, that's one thing i wanted to sort of mention
0: excellent uh, i will mention that uh during the course of this podcast i did end up buying the dr strange omnibus awesome and i was lucky enough to for some reason get eight percent off and i'm like all right
1: hey you're living right
0: <laughs> yeah i was like all right that's gonna that's more than my taxes so that's uh that's great so thanks for that
1: <laughs> awesome well i know you live up in canada so just make sure a polar bear did not come along and eat your book.
0: <laughs> I will try so, my very best to make sure that doesn't happen.
1: Okay, because as far as I, I grew up in Florida, so all you Canadians live in igloos with polar bears running around, and you know, and so you well, read, well, read your comic books by the northern lights. Uh, <laughs> in this kind of,
0: we're so, uh, we're dodging hockey pucks and polar bears.
1: That's right. That's right. So be safe.
0: Well, thank you so much John for joining us uh for this kind of market update and uh yeah, at some point we should uh, do it again.
1: For sure, man. Be fun.
0: All right, thanks you so much.
1: All right, Adam. Talk again. We'll do. Bye-bye.